0: Welcome to the National Presbyterian Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Ray Hilton, and I'd like to personally say how thrilled we are to share our sermon with you this week. If you feel encouraged by our messages, we invite you to hit the subscribe button so you will never miss an episode. Now let's go to the National Presbyterian Church Sanctuary and hear the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning everyone. The scripture reading today is from 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 11 through chapter 6 verse 2. Hear the word of the Lord. Knowing the fear of the Lord we try to persuade others but we ourselves are well known to God and I hope that we are all so well known to your consciences. We are commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast in outward appearance and not in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for him. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself, through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, thank
0: you. And good morning to each and every one of you. Thank you for joining us online. And for those of you who have joined us in person, it is always a pleasure to meet new people who are coming here for the first Sunday. And I, I had the pr- privilege of meeting some new families uh, in, the second, in the first service. And I'm looking forward, if this is your first Sunday, to an opportunity to meet with you and to connect with you. Would you pray with me? Let us pray. Lord, we pray now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would sit with us. You would open our eyes, remove any scales so that we can see. We pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen and to truly hear your voice in all the ways that you're speaking to us already this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Some of you may be familiar with the name Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek wrote a helpful little book among the other books that he's written. This one was particularly helpful for me. The book is called Start With Why. And it's a book that would appeal, not just to organizations and to churches, even though he didn't necessarily write it for churches, but it's a book that would appeal with anyone that is trying to figure out the purpose and the reason for moving forward with their lives. Well, a point came in his life, he writes rather candidly, when he had fallen out of love, to use his words, fallen out of love with his work, and he found himself in a very, very dark place, and I would imagine some of you can relate to that. I've been there as a pastor, trying to figure out my why. Why do I do what I do? There are days when you feel lost, and maybe you're in school, in college, in university. You're somewhere in your life today, and you've lost that sense of passion and meaning. He continues in the book by saying there was nothing fundamentally wrong with his work, with his job. He had simply lost his passion for work. He admits that given all of his blessings, the income that he was making, the clients that he was working with, the experiences that he was having, he should not be in this dark place, but there he was. He wasn't fulfilled. And he said he needed to find a way to rekindle his passion. He needed to rediscover his why or his purpose, and he believed that when he found his why, when he found his reason for getting up every day and doing what he believed, what he believed he was called to do, that it would change his view of himself and of the world. I like that book because it inspired me In thinking about my own life. Why? Another word for why is the word motivation. You know what the word motivation means. It means the reason, the reasons that one has for pursuing a certain goal, for taking action. And last Sunday, if you were here, we ended our reading in the section of Nehemiah on a note of thanksgiving and gratitude. Ezra, Nehemiah, the leaders, the people all came together. They had their why. They had their reason. They were motivated. They responded to God at that Watergate, that massive square, expressing gratitude and thanksgiving to God for all that God did for them. Now, as we prepare, to support our congregation with our financial commitments. I want to encourage you, as I did last Sunday, that if you choose to participate, to give, I want you to give your gifts joyfully because of God's goodness in your life. I don't think there is a better reason, I don't think there is any other reason. Giving out of gratitude, that's a huge motivation. But this morning I want to lift up one additional motivation that I heard in Ed's reading of our scripture. Of all of Paul's letters, and I've read this letter, it's one of my favorite letters, the letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. I find Second Corinthians to be Paul's most passionate because it is in this letter to that church that you hear the agonies and the joys and the anger and the pain of his heart. And one place where you see his passion bursting forth is in another section in 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 24 through 28, where he presents this stunning, almost unbelievable litany of the difficulties and the hardships that he was going through. And if you don't mind, if you are willing, I'm gonna have you work your fingers a little bit this morning. If you would pick up a copy of the Bible in the pew in front of you, or maybe if you brought a Bible with you, or for those of you at home, if you would run and grab a copy of your own Bible and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. It's on page 943. 943. And as you look at this list of difficulties that he went through i want you to keep asking the question why why notice how he talks about his imprisonments his countless floggings they almost killed him why so look at verse 24 in your reading if you're there with me on page 943 second corinthians 11 and verse 24 It almost seems as if Paul kept a diary, he kept a log, because he numbers the various times in which he suffered hardships. Listen again, five times I received from the hands of the Jews, and he himself being a Jew, he referred to the religious authorities, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea. Verse 26, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters. I think that's the most painful thing one can endure. Verse 27, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked, and besides other things, I am under daily pressure, because of my anxiety for all the churches and then just drop all the way down to verse 32 would you he writes in damascus the governor under king aretas guarded the city of damascus in order to seize me but i was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from their hands why paul why do you endure this in fact If you had a job like this where you were exposed to such abuse and harm, would you keep the job? I imagine many of us would file a complaint with the EEOC. We would find the best lawyer and we would sue that company to kingdom come. But this man, he didn't allow the evil of others to thwart his calling, didn't allow them to poison his mission, didn't lose his why, he overcame evil with good. And the question is, what was Paul's why? What motivated this man to endure such pain and suffering? And I think the question, the question, or the answer to this question is in our reading, and before we come to the communion table, I want to share the essence of Paul's why. He had one compelling motivation that influenced his life in two directions. It influenced his direction outward to others. His why influenced him upward to God, outward and upward. And that compelling motivation for for Paul was love. In fact, it comes as no surprise that Paul is responsible for some of the most beautiful words ever written, whether in the Bible or in literature, globally, about love. Let me share it with you. It's from 1 Corinthians 13, and if you don't mind, your fingers aren't tired yet. If you would turn to page 934, again in your pew Bible, and look at this very familiar text, I'm sure you've read it. We hear it read at lots of weddings. Even though Paul didn't write it about for weddings, he wrote it because the church was misbehaving. Notice what he says about love. First of all, how insincere love can be. He says, if I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to move mountains and do not have love, I'm nothing. This is important for us. If I give away all my possessions, if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Zero. I gain nothing. But then look at what he says about sincere love, genuine love. He says genuine love is patient, it's kind, it's not envious, it's not boastful, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it does not insist on its own way, it's not irritable, it's not resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, it rejoices in the truth. That's genuine love. Verse 7, he says, this kind of love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And then my favorite line, verse 8, he says, love never ends. And I cling to these words when I was a young man in the early years of our marriage, I cling to these words in those moments when I failed miserably. I have failed my God. I have failed other people. And I'm reminded that love never ends. Love is greater than all my miscues and my sins. And then in verse 13, he says, And now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, And the greatest of these, and I love that line, is love. But Paul, these ideas were not original with Paul. As a man of scripture, a man of Torah, I would imagine when he was writing these words, he was imagining the words of Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5, where we find these beautiful words from Moses to the people, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and then jesus comes along later and essentially says the same thing you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind this is the greatest and the first commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself and you see the dimensions of love here it is outward to neighbor it is upward to god When was the last time you read the Ten Commandments? Read them again, my brothers and sisters, and you will see the same trajectories that the love that we have for God, the devotion that we have for God, it pulls us to care for neighbor, to respect and love our neighbor, and then it draws us up to God, to love God. These are the greatest things that we could ever do. And so, what it's Paul's motivation. If you go back again to that reading from Ed in 2 Corinthians, page 900, 939, let us, or 940, let us again reflect on Paul's motivation. Paul had an outward motivation, he had a love for others. Where do I see that? Look at verse 11, would you? If you have your Bibles open, we see an example here. These words are precious words. These words have inspired countless pastors and missionaries and Christians to give their lives in greater devotion to God. Verse 11 says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others. Knowing that God is awe-inspiring, knowing that God is great, knowing that God is beyond all human imagining, we try to persuade others. So these aren't the words of an embittered man. These aren't the word of some chip-on-the-shoulder kind of leader. Despite all that was happening to Paul, Paul still retained this love for people. He loved his enemies. He loved his friends. He said in Romans chapter 9 that my, my, my heart's desire and my longing is that my Jewish brothers and sisters would come to know the Savior that I know. Why is he so concerned about persuading people? Well, look back at the verse before the reading, verse 10. Just look at verse 10 where he writes, for all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive the recompense the payment for what has been done in this body whether good or evil. This is a very serious verse brothers and sisters Paul persuades others because he knows that a day is coming when God will judge the world and you and I just said it in the Nicene Creed about Jesus Who will come again one day to judge the living and the dead? And that is a serious thing to contemplate. And so Paul's desire is to persuade. I think about that young father of three living in Hickory, North Carolina. He's on his way home. It's a dark night, it's raining. He's using his GPS to guide him, and unbeknownst to him, there's a bridge up ahead that's out, washed away by some heavy, heavy flooding. Unbeknownst to him, the GPS isn't able to help him in this situation, and this young father, unfortunately, drove over the edge into a river, a creek, and he lost his life. There were no warning signs. There was no one standing there, waving him away, saying, stop, he drove over the edge, and he died. His mother lamented, 40-year-old son of earth could have been alive if somebody had just been responsible enough to put a sign up, to put a barrier up, to persuade drivers on a dark night coming down that road. Paul, in his generation, was that sign. Paul, in his generation, was that flashing neon sign trying to persuade people that there is this God who created you, who loves you, who wants you to come to know him because there's a day that is coming when we will all have to stand before this God and give an accounting. Paul knows a lot about love He wrote to the church in Rome, words that we all try to live by, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection. King James Version says, love one another without hypocrisy, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers, I love the words of Thomas Aquinas, that great philosopher and theologian of the Roman Catholic Church. I love his definition of love. He says, the choice to will the good of the other. That's what love is. The choice to will The good of the other and I know that kind of definition is not sexy it's not romantic given the the sort of over sexualized culture in which we're living in and this 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 heavy emphasis on falling in love as an emotion this understanding of love seems void of that that it is a choice it's an action of the will to will the good of the other And yet, this is what love is in its essence. And so Paul was concerned about others. And that's what love does to us. Our hearts get bigger. And it's not just about us. But love also motivated Paul in a different way. And that was, there was this upward motivation to Christ. And where do we see that? Look at verses 14 through 15, if you have your Bibles open. And as you read this section with me, keep asking yourself, who is the actor and who is the recipient? Is it our love for Christ and what we do for Christ? Or is it Christ's love for us and what he has done for us that ultimately moves us? Let's look at the text, verse 14. For the love of Christ, and Paul uses the word that seems to suggest it, it, it hems us in, it directs, it controls, it superintends. In our translation, it says the love of Christ, it urges us on because he says we are convinced that one has died for all and therefore all have died. Look at verse 15. He died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. And friends, I'm telling you, this is a huge why this is a huge reason for living for waking up every day and saying to yourself that jesus died for me so that i may live no longer for myself but to live for others to live for him this is what motivated paul jesus died for all I think of the astronomer Copernicus, who was the the first to understand that it was not the earth that moves around the sun, it was not the sun that moves around the earth rather, but that it is the earth that moves around the sun, that the sun is indeed the center of the universe. Today. When we talk about a Copernican revolution, what we're saying is something beyond what we understand has happened. Something radical, something outside of the box. And Paul had his Copernican revolution as he was traveling on the Damascus Road to persecute more Christians. It changed his life. So much so that when you read his writings, he often says that it's not I who live anymore but it's christ who lives in me he talks about the purpose for my life now is to live and to know and to do god's will that i exist to fulfill god's calling on my life it's not about him anymore it's about jesus who died and was raised again for him and so today if you were to ask paul Who is at the center of your life? Paul, what is it that keeps you going? Paul would say, it is Christ in me, the hope of glory, that I live for him, I suffer for him, and I will die for him. It's no longer little ego, Paul, but now it's this big, big view of Christ at the center of his total existence. That's why he says in verse 17, if you would look at verse 17, so if anyone is in Christ, one of Paul's favorite phrases, to be in Christ, there is a new creation. The old has passed away. Everything has become new. And notice what he says in verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the why for National Presbyterian Church. This is the why and the reason for our lives. It's because of what Christ has done in us. Paul's motivated by love, outward and upward. And I'm not exaggerating, my friends, when I say to you, that the greatest thing that you can do with your life, the greatest thing you can do with your life is to learn what it means to love God and to love other people, not just the people who love you, but even those who are not quite lovable. This past week, and I tell you this story not because we want to elevate ourselves in any way. I just want you to understand what motivates us. But this past week, Judith and I received our stewardship commitment packet in the mail. And uh, instead of completing the card and sending it back in, we just went on to our church's website because it was so simple. And in a short time, we submitted our 2024 commitment to support the ministries of National Presbyterian Church. We made that commitment not because anyone was holding a gun over our head no one was begging us no one was guilting us no one was manipulating us we did this from a place of gratitude to god 40 years ago next month judith and i have been married and we have a story to tell just like you Stories of God's goodness, stories of God's favor, stories of God's blessing, of God's guidance. And so when we sit down over these 40 years we've been practicing the spiritual discipline of giving. It wasn't a painful thing for us to do this week at our breakfast table. We did it with gratitude. And we did it with love for God because from the day we gave our lives to Jesus, from the day we've been married, our desire is to grow in grace and to grow in the love of God. So whatever we do, we, we hope we're doing it from a place of love. We also did that, made that commitment a week last week, late last week, because we believe in this congregation and we believe in what God is doing through our church. I've encouraged our leaders to do the same. Many of our elders and deacons are working at doing the same. And I'm hoping that as they submit their pledges or their commitments, they're also doing it from a place of gratitude and from a place of love. And I want to say to you this morning, brothers and sisters, if you're here in person, those of you who are watching us online, that if you decide, and it's if, you don't have to we're not gonna love you any less we're not gonna close the door and rope off the pews if you choose not to give no we'll never do that to you but if you choose to participate if you choose to give i'm just begging you this morning to do it out of a place of gratitude and love if this congregation has been helpful in your life if this congregation has encouraged your family, whether you join us online from wherever around America, wherever in the world, I want you, if you respond, to do it from a place of gratitude and love. And you need to know that your pastor is a naive optimist. That's what people tell me. I am too optimistic, it takes a lot to get me down. I am trusting God that we will see 100% engagement and participation. And what do I mean by that? First of all, you may not even be in a position to give, but even if you just take that card and write on the card, you know what, Pastor, we don't have anything financial to give to the church, but we're going to share our time and we're going to share our talents that is engagement and participation some of you are here this morning and say well i don't have a lot of money to give like melanie's wonderful story i have the widows mite kind of money That is participation. You check that box and you give what you are able to give. But give out of gratitude. Give out of love for God and no other reason. And then next Sunday, we're going to have the blowout service next Sunday. No, really, it's going to be a blowout service because we're going to invite you to come and along the front of the chancel will be these, these uh, cornucopia type baskets and it will be your opportunity to come forward. Your heart is bursting with love and with gratitude and you say, Lord, I give what I have because you've been so good to me. No other motivation. No other reason for giving. Give out of gratitude. Give out of love. Give because you believe that God's work in this church we're not done yet our best years are yet ahead of us and i welcome you and i encourage you to do that in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and god's people say amen Amen. let's pray together our heavenly father we give you thanks we do give you thanks for your goodness toward us just the fact that we could wake up this morning lord The fact that you have blessed us with friends and with family, you've blessed us with a reason to live, we give you thanks. And Lord, may we live all of our days in grateful devotion to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're glad that you could be with us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website at nationalprayers.org. That's nationalprayers.org. Help us spread the good news of the gospel by sharing our podcast with your friends and giving us a rating. If you haven't already, be sure to click the subscribe button. See you next week.